And we're live. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Kate and Millicent. Millicent and Kate. G'day. <laughs> hello, hello. Are we going to talk about bathrooms again, too? Are you guys going to make me turn bright yeah. red before we <laughs> No, we're going to talk about the loo. Okay. Oh, that's perfect. Even better. Isn't then I'll better? understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Because toilet is like cologne, isn't it? <laughs> Especially when you say it like that. It sounds real fancy. Yeah, it does. I really feel like I should probably subscribe and being on this show now means that I have some Damn, sense of like loyalty to you. So many other people. You're like <laughs> so so many people said, I watch your show. I was like, really, where do you watch it? I see it on LinkedIn. I was like, that's not it. Those are clips. You need to actually get into the platforms. Like LinkedIn is not a podcasting host. Okay. No. But we did just do the brand new webpage. Have you seen it, Kate? I've not I so I saw a LinkedIn post about it, but I haven't gone to actually see the webpage. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> just Whoops. like Millicent. <laughs> Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. This episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last time. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things, but we also build and waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately. All online, Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S. Well, we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at trycanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry and in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision 
is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Kate and Millicent. I am so happy to have both of you on the show today. Thank you both for joining me. And thank you for threatening to almost subscribe to my YouTube channel, Millicent. I appreciate that so much. It's an effective technique. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'll watch it, but I'm not sure. Should I hit that bell? Yes, you should hit the bell and get all notifications. And I just want to say before we start, thank you, everybody, for watching the show and helping grow this and spread the word. We love you. The whole team absolutely loves the feedback we're getting. Keep bringing it. Let's go. Kate, Millicent. Who's going to fight for this uh, intro first? I'll go first. G'day, everyone. My name is Millicent Drabble. I'm working for a general contractor right now in an operations management role, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, my career is stemmed on the design side, working for a design engineering firm. Uh, and it's been really nice. And I really want to talk about it as we get further in the conversation about seeing it from the design side and then the construction side and how that all really ties together in a, a collaborative way. The accent is Australian, in case you were wondering. <laughs> I was. I was. I guessed wrong, I think, the first time, didn't I? I think the first two or three times, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Hold it against me. <laughs> no. What else? Is that, how does that go for an intro? That's pretty short. You could keep going. Kate, put the pressure on her. Tell her to keep talking about herself. She, you're great. You're fabulous. I know you have tons of pearls <laughs> right. of wisdom stored up to give us, so like, let's hear some. Yeah. I don't want to hit it too hard too fast. That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Don't so let me interrupt you so rude yeah why would you do that uh okay so i am an australian person living in los angeles and it's really interesting to me right now because i've gone back to school it seems to be my global recession uh approach to just like oh, i should do another degree uh while things are a bit weird so i'm doing my mba and learning about leadership and a lot of what we've been doing in the last couple of weeks is talking about your leadership style and how did you get here and what do you value and it really makes you think about it and Kate showed me this incredible spiral notebook activity so that we could really write down who we are and what we believe in. You can see it and then you have to actually do something about it. And so the critical part of my journey is I'm in Los Angeles now. I lived in New York City for about two years before that. I lived in Vancouver, British Columbia for about a year and a half before that. I was in Singapore for nearly two years before that. And then I did a stint in Abu Dhabi for three years before that. And then started everything in Brisbane, Australia with my family. All of that, that global tour through work, not just backpacking and meeting people. It's been such a, an accumulative knowledge growth journey that I, I can't say amazing, more amazing things about it to, to be who I am today. That is an incredible background. There you Such go. the world traveler. I need to take a breath because <laughs> there was a lot there. That's, I, I'm feeling like I need to get on an airplane. Right. I mean, that, that's really incredible. It's inspiring. Oh, now I have to follow You're so that. humble. Right. Kate, she tried, Sorry, Kate. Kate, she tried to be <laughs> humble oh, the first man. time. I did. And I just love how Kate called her out and said, no, Millicent, you're greater than that. Keep talking. Yeah. Well. Now, Millicent, we turn the cameras on Kate and let's see what Kate says. It totally okay. is. Well, mine's not going to be nearly as flashy. Um, I work for the same construction management firm. Um, I've been there coming up on eight years. Um, I technically work in scheduling and controls, um, but I have an interest in all <gasps> things. I know, I know, we'll get there. Um, oh I have my an interest God, you, you didn't tell, in, stop my heart. <laughs> in 
all things operations, right? I, I spend a lot of time going out of my day-to-day -day role. Um, so that's kind of what makes me tick. Uh, the accent is actually rural Maine, not Boston. So um, oh, rural Maine. yeah, my, uh, my sphere is a little smaller than Millicent's. Um, you know, I grew up in Maine. I worked at a lumber yard. Uh, I went to school for construction management in Boston. Uh, spent some time in corporate America and then uh, landed where I am now. So my, my journey to continuous improvement and, and learning kind of grew out of my role in scheduling um, and just some of the things that I've seen consistently hurt teams over time. So Millicent sent a really high bar. I don't think mine was nearly as inspiring, yeah. uh, but it's sincere, right? I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to, yeah. to talk about all this stuff. Yeah. And Millicent and I are both excited, Kate, because you know each other way longer than I've known both of you, but Millicent mm -hmm. and I are both cheerleading you because you are awesome. Yeah, thank you that's right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And we, Kate, you and I, maybe you don't know because you don't check out my LinkedIn profile, <laughs> but we both worked at the same general contractor back in the day. Oh, we did? Back. We won't name... Yeah, we won't name their name. So I probably didn't click on your profile because I didn't want to appear too creepy, like I was actually stalking you. So now that I know <laughs> that you, I'm going to do that. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their color is somewhere in my room. Yeah, all I won't right. Say I, yeah. What the color is. Clear. So now got you know it. where. Yeah, you got it. That's funny. <laughs> that is so funny. No, I, I, I don't know what happened that I had maybe just uh, I didn't drink the coffee at the right time and realize that you were in project controls. Yeah. That just makes this so much more juicier for me. It does. <laughs> for all the things we're gonna talk about. We're gonna about. bring up some dirty laundry, some some schedule and controls dirty laundry. Oh my God. But yeah, it's an interesting. Well, hang Go on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> it was something I read, or one of your guests prior. It's does your role really define who you are and your identity? And so Kate and I are really unpacking that right now. So sure, by title, this is who we are, but it is a lot more fun to do all the other bits and pieces that may not appear in a job description, but still have a lot of impact. We're going through that right now and you get to experience it with us. That existential, who am I question? And who do I want to be when I grow up? Kate's already gotten there. She's told us that in the intro. She is I an said adult. I feel like an, so. an adult, not that I am an adult. <laughs> Very different. Subtle difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I you guess if you're if you're going to be on a podcast, do we can we classify that as adulting? Yeah. We don't see kids on podcasts, right? Not yet. <sighs> don't even say that out loud. I think something <laughs> should be sacred to uh, to the grown-ups. Based on how I feel about podcasts, this should be one of those things. Yeah. I'm sure like right now someone's going to message us and say there is a kids podcast and it's way more popular than yours. <laughs> oh, I would I will get everyone I know to subscribe to your YouTube channel immediately if that's the case i'll do okay, that then. anyway people go find that and see if that's the case now i'm curious <laughs> i want to listen to this kid's podcast <laughs> my kids watch a lot of youtube it's not technically podcasting but they watch a lot of youtube which is yeah. it's very strange similar type of thing that's true i do speak at a lot of uh, schools about construction careers and a lot of the kids especially in high school like the number one thing they want to do is become a famous youtuber yeah and none of them know that i have a <laughs> youtube channel so that's how i know that i'm not that person <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like kids' honesty to like straight. Yeah, they're just straight. Like I just want to be. I want to. I want to play video games and just get paid to game all day and have people watch me play video games. Wow, such I aspiration. Know. We'll see. So I actually. Like, we'll so it was funny. My son last night we were getting ready for bed and um, he's like, "Mom, how long does it take to build a building?" And I was like, "Oh." 
I was like, he's finally interested in what I, what I do. Yeah. I like, I did, I like yeah. shed a little tear and I like, I explained it to him and I was like, wow. I was like, I finally feel like acknowledged. <laughs> How old is your son? Uh, he's 10. All right. It's good age. Yeah. Good job. Made mommy's night. Woohoo. Small wins. Again, we're going to celebrate them when we get them. Celebrate the That's small it. wins. Small wins. We just talked about this. So what is the spiral notebook? You, are you guys both in school together? No. You're no, just doing a is... I'm, I'm in golf, side. golf school. I started golf school. Okay. <laughs> golf school, that, that's a, that counts. So so spiral journal is um it's a liberating structures thing have you ever done any of the liber oh my god yeah i love liberating structures yeah so um i did a, i did a thing and um you know brian winningham so of course he, he's doing yeah i know every yeah you everyone knows shout out to brian winningham shout out to brian Brian's winningham. also and we got to say kate like this is the time where felipe is like and scrum has been said yes Yep. Because liber liberating <laughs> structures are definitely scrum friendly people. Yeah. So mm -hmm. keep going. Kate. Yeah. So I, um, Brian's actually, he's doing like a, a coaching cohort type of thing. And it's like a small group of people. And uh, we had our first session last week that Brian led. And he walked us through this spiral journal exercise where you have to draw a, like a, a spiral for two minutes, right? And it's about clearing your mind. Um, and then he leads you through these series of four questions. And the first question is draw your work using only pictures and no words. And it was, um, it was really neat for me. I had this like mild revelation that I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a hub. I was like, I, for some reason it like never dawned on me before. I'm like, I'm a hub in my company and I get to talk to all these people and do all this great stuff. Um, so I, I shared it with Millicent and I don't think it was probably quite as impactful as like when it was a guided thing, but I shared it with her anyway. You still did it. You inspired me enough to want to do it myself. And that's really all you could ask for with an activity like that. Yeah. That's a nice plus one. Yeah. And so Millicent, you drew something and what was your epiphany? I'm still drawing at the moment. <laughs> Are you I, still in the spiral? Yeah. <laughs> still clearing my mind. Don't underestimate the chaos that's, that's in here. Um, <laughs> That's where creativity comes from. Comes from the chaos. I run out of paper. Exactly. Exactly. Because um, I had showed Kate something at the same time that made that light bulb off, go off. And that's one of the things when Kate and I talk, it's, we talked about uh, improv the other day too, where it's this whole yes and concept. And oh, yeah. so you hear someone say something and you go, yes, and what about this? And yes, and what if you do that? And so I had shown her a, a mind map that I had drawn just from my early uh, urban planning days was a technique we use, just draw stuff and draw arrows and circles and clouds. And so they're just like, oh, let me show you this. And that's how it came about. Uh, and so we build on each other's ideas and enthusiasm for all of the kind of stuff that we do, either if it's just started at the organization or we have an idea that we want to just sneak through to pilot to see it's so crazy it might just work. It's fun to stay buoyant thinking about these things. It's really motivating. Yes, it is. Yes, and Millicent. You know what I love about the two of you is that you're so far apart geographically. Yeah. Like we've got mm -hmm. California and then wherever Boston is, who knows what state that is. It's way over <laughs> so, on the East Coast. We have the Golden State which is, you know, the better state. Love you all, <laughs> California listeners. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> and Texas. <laughs> and uh, I've got family there, so my heart's there. But the two of you stay connected, even though there's this massive divide and a three-hour time zone difference, which is so annoying. Thank you, uh, Millicent, for getting up early. And this is already like the middle of Kate's day. Her day is halfway over already. It is. So uh, Millicent, <laughs> actually, a couple times lately, we've struggled to meet 
and she's held meetings at 6 a.m. her time just so we can connect. So she is like committed to the time difference. Mm -hmm. She's a trooper. Well, also shows how much I trust. I Well, I trust Kate in that I feel like I can be vulnerable when I talk about certain things. So her seeing me about 15 minutes after I've just woken up, I think is a really strong visual connection that we have too. Uh, I don't think you're going to recognize me the next time we actually meet in person. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm looking for Millicent. I've seen you with your glasses on. I was expecting glasses today. I mean, this is like, this could have been a three glasses episode. Oh yeah. Instead, it's just a two out of three. Okay. Mine aren't too shiny, are they? They don't look it. No, they're not shiny. The lighting is really good. I'm all about risk was... management. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And I just did not want the purple reflecty thing to be distracting from what I was actually I didn't saying. see it. I didn't see it the last time, but that's okay. If it bugs you, you've got to overcome it. Well done. Thanks. Experiment. Problem solver well here. Done. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Problem solver. You mitigated that risk. Congratulations. Because this show will live on forever. Even after I die, it still stays and people will find it and watch it. What a legacy. Isn't that kind of wild to think about, though? It is wild. Yeah, I told my son that my secret, the secret reason why I do this show is that so that after I'm gone, you can still get told what to do by me. (laughs) (laughs) That is a legacy. He hated that. Yeah, he hated that. (laughs) He's like, I'm not going to watch it. I was like, I'm not going to give you the password, so you'll never be able to take it off. Well played, sir. Well played. I'm playing the long game. So I wanted to ask both of you, when we first started talking, right away, you were over the top excited about talking about bathrooms and construction. (laughs) And I thought, this is going to be a really good conversation. You you couldn't help yourself, could you? I just can't help it. I I gotta go there. I don't have to go now. I'll go later, but I want to go there now with you in this conversation. Okay. Kate, you're the catalyst for this story, so you you go first. Yeah, it's um, Kate, it, and your face is still bright red, Kate. So I know just keep it always is. It's like the curse of being very pale and blonde. Um, I listened to your podcast. I think it was you and Jason Schroeder talking about bathrooms, and it was such a simple, dare I say, elegant way. <laughs> bear with me to show people that you respect them. And Millicent and I talk a lot about that. And I, I shared it with her and I was like, I, I, what did I text you? I said, this is what I want us to be someday. And, you know, like talking about bathrooms is funny, mm-hmm. but um, just such a, a simple, visible, tangible way to show somebody that you respect them, right? Like you, you talk a lot about respect and it's like this this big fuzzy topic, right? Like, what does respect mean? And it's like, if you want something to happen, you make it tangible. And a way to make it tangible is like bathrooms, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'll be completely honest. So my husband works for a subcontractor and I shared that with him and he thought it was great. And I shared it with some other people and I got laughed at a little bit. And, and, you know, it hurt my feelings, uh, but that's not going to daunt my, uh, my eagerness to continue talking about bathrooms. Millicent fared a little bit better than I did talking about bathrooms. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the, the funny part is Kate sent it to me on a Thursday or a Friday and I, I didn't have time to listen to the whole thing and I wanted to go uh, from start to finish. And so at the weekend, while I was doing my domestic chores cleaning the bathroom, I thought, oh, perfect time to put this podcast on. Little did I know how relevant your conversation with Jason was going to be. So when I brought it up, I'd mentioned it in two different places. And 
again, exquisite timing where we were talking about insights, uh, the success of projects, but then there are times where the bathrooms can get, uh, or they can be a space for harassment or, um, you know, discrimination in the field. And it's something that right. we want to tackle head on and talk about and not pretend it doesn't exist. But you only really see it when you open the door. And so my conversation was, well, there are a lot of dudes in the field. What happens when you have more women and men, more diversity in the field? How does that go? I grew up with two brothers and a sister. My brothers were always taught, you know, there are ladies around, at least clean up after yourself a bit. Be a bit more respectful yeah. in that space. What I loved was that then it turned into this diversity conversation, which then turned into how, what can we do? Hasn't gone anywhere yet, but similar to Kate, not giving up. Still want to keep talking about lose uh, <laughs> because it is <laughs> such a simple thing. I'm going to keep laughing about it. I'm a... I'm a fan of toilet humor. So. <laughs> yeah, but see, I can't say Lou because I feel like silly saying it. So it's like you guys are going to yeah. have to take that one. It's like I knew a guy in college. His name was Lou. So like I always flash his face comes up in my mind every time someone says the Lou. <laughs> Poor bloke. <laughs> yeah. It is something that uh, you know a lot of project managers have decision points early in the job. And mm -hmm. they're under pressure to make their numbers. And they're trying to control the budget, manage the budget. And bathrooms are something that a lot of people just copy and paste. Like this is all you're going to get, general yeah. conditions, and they don't think about it. You know, some of the people like Jason and I who've been to horrible conditions and worked in horrible conditions. As a man, I've gone to bathrooms that give me nightmares. I still sometimes have nightmares about what I saw in the bathroom right. and had to deal with, right? And I'm a I'm a dude. So, so people don't get that opportunity to think about it because it's – from a PM's perspective, sometimes it's just a line on a yeah. on a, a spreadsheet of many thousands of lines that they're responsible mm -hmm. for. But from the worker's perspective, Kate, like your husband, who has to work in this environment day in and day out, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Like everybody goes to the bathroom roughly three to maybe eight times a day, depending on what kind of water intake you got going on. All right, so this affects all of us as human beings. And some of the things that Jason talked about and shared is that on some of his jobs, he would make it so that everybody uses the same bathrooms to mm -hmm. just force it. He would force us yeah. all into the same thing to kind of level the playing field. And there's like, there's not the ivory tower bathrooms. Right. And then there's the everybody else like no we're all going to go to the same bathrooms we're all just one team and it's something that we have in common like i remember i was on a job it was a hard bid job and we were losing money and it's kind of like even before we realized we were losing money the job shifted to single ply toilet paper and i was like oh my god there's oh, a canary in the gold mine and like <laughs> we went to single ply like transparent toilet paper that you could see through <laughs> The kind of terrible like, irony is that we literally <laughs> build bathrooms, right? Like we have zero yeah. excuse. We build bathrooms. That's like what we do. Yes. And I remember a lot of the, not a lot, but some teams, like when you build spaces out early, you can't use the bathrooms. Like the bathrooms we just built mm -hmm. as if we're not going to clean the building and turn it over. It's not like the client said in the contract, thou shall not use these toilets before we take beneficial <laughs> occupancy. Like <laughs> people just put these assumptions on. And we don't think mm -hmm. about how can we, you know, use this and still turn it over well. Like, it's not against the rules. Like, it's a bathroom. It's yeah. meant to be used. Mm -hmm. It's also unfortunate that, you know, it. it I, I can't speak for California, but on the East Coast, like, it took COVID for us to get running water to be able to wash your hands on a lot of job sites. And it was like this stark moment of reflection. And it was like, why, why didn't we always have that? 
right? Like we, yeah. th- we always should have been doing that. It shouldn't have taken a literal pandemic for us to realize that. I've been to jobs across the country and Millicent, you've been to jobs worldwide. I didn't see mm-hmm. handwashing stations regularly until I started working in California over a decade ago. But before that, cause I'm so old, Kate, you know, I've been over two decades working in construction. <laughs> I, I can remember no handwashing stations. That was normal. Like in my early years, it was no handwashing stations, right? And you could probably ask your husband, there's probably still jobs today where you, I mean, before COVID, so 2019, 2018, yeah. no handwashing stations. Yeah. The thing to take it from COVID now, and if we're looking about the future, what will it stay or will we go back? What's going to happen is... We had no qualms telling clients in the last 18 months, we need this for the safety of our employees. We need you to pay for this extra money for this fairly basic thing. It's the thing that I think about when you mentioned, Felipe, about the PMs having a a dollar value on a line. If it's really important, you can go to the client and say, this needs to stay here or this number is here because. And I would guarantee I I worked on the client side for one of my roles prior. If someone came to me and said, you got to find an extra small in the scale of relativity dollar value for this thing, I wouldn't hesitate to say, I can find that money from somewhere else. But given the choice, again, assumptions, I've got to a poster of a quote that I say fairly often that a, an ex-teammate cross-stitched for me, it's that impactful. If you assume you're not giving other people the ability to make a choice or influence the decision or feel like they're actually doing something for the greater good or for people, because that's really what it comes down to in most of mine and Kate's conversations is the people orientation or the people motivation. So what will happen? Will we, will we continue to say we need this and fight for it? until it becomes normal and then something else will happen, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep fighting for it. Yeah. Relentless. I've been called stubborn and bulldogish, so I have no problem with those labels. And old, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Millicent, you're already forgiven. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Phew. I was I so you worried. You didn't, you didn't care. <laughs> so, but I wanted to ask both of you as you're as you're pondering and taking the tasty beverage, what's it like mm. from your perspective? Because construction on the average is about nine to one men in the United States. And in some countries, it's even more more men than nine to one, which is incredibly still very high. Is it uh, challenging or unique or different? What What's changed recently? Is it is the industry the same as when you came in or, is, or, is, or are we evolving? Millicent, you want to take that one first? I'll have a crack at it. I've only been in on the pure construction side for the last couple of years, two years, I'd say. I've then managed the projects that went through to design and carried it forward. So part of the industry, a lot more female ratio on the design side. It was quite interesting to go from that to then see the nine to one ratios in construction. Like, oh, where 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 the women go? Cool. Uh, <laughs> From moving around so much, I've just had to adapt and make become mates with whoever is around me and learn from those people whatever I can. Do I miss more input and interaction with other women in this space? Absolutely. Again, it's in our organization, there are a whole bunch of us that tend to just gravitate towards each other and we'll have conversations and be supportive and you don't need to make a big deal out of it, but we really need a lot more people to get on board with improving the diversity and I I had the privilege of speaking at Women in Construction Week and got to speak with a few other really brilliant women on the client side and the design side but the observation that I had made was 
again, the ratio of women who showed up to that talk to men was then in the inverse. So it's women talking about what's really important to us and what our journey is. All the women showed up to support us, but it's really a lot more of the gentlemen that I'd prefer were showing up to listen to what we have to say or including us in it. And that that was something that I just that I observed and I hadn't really thought about it too much until then. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that about sums it up. I um, What's funny is that early on in my career, it, it's not that I'm going to say it wasn't a problem. It's almost like I, I didn't notice it was a problem. I was similarly have been called uh, stubborn and hardheaded. And I, you know, I was just doing my job, right? And a lot of times I happened to be the only woman and it kind of just, it, it didn't dawn on me. Uh, I'm going to bring up the age thing again, right? Um, it didn't yeah, dawn it. on Hit me. me with it. Until I got a little older and I, I realized kind of a similar thing like Melissa was saying is like you're you're missing creativity of thought and, and different perspectives by not having women in the room, right? So so now I'm in a position where I have no qualms to be able to say I should not be the only woman in the room, right? And, and we need mm-hmm. to do something about this. Right. And, and luckily we work at an organization that has recognized that and is, is taking steps to address that. A lot of really, really good work. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a maturity thing. It's supporting other women. I don't know what the secret sauce was like during COVID, but um, you know, Melissa and I have definitely strengthened our relationship with during COVID. And I, there are a couple other women at our organization too that I just I, I don't even know why. Maybe I was just seeking some companionship. That um, we've really developed a great relationship in the last year. Hopefully, you know, a sign of good things, better things to come. But it, yeah, it needs work. That's definitely something we need to keep. Like the networking and connecting with other people and like, mm-hmm. like Millicent, like you said, like bringing the men along too. It is better. It's more, it's more fun to work in an environment For where us? you have yeah. Yeah, different ideas and opinions. It gets stale when it's all just the same. Yep. It's, it is better. I, I like it better. And when I came up in the industry, I didn't realize that it was a thing, Kate and Millicent, until we went to one of the company events. So my first job where I was an intern, my supervisor was an engineer and her name was Karen and Karen was awesome. She guided me, taught me everything. And she was as old as I am now. And when I was just a, you know, punk kid out of, in college and I was a punk kid when I was young, I thought I knew everything and I believe that <laughs> I was going to live forever. It's so, so dumb. <laughs> and uh, Karen was so patient with me and, and guided me. There are things that I do today that I, that I still do because of how she taught me and onboarded me. And on our project, she was uh, one of two women on our project. And she was, you know, my boss. She was awesome. She was always like listening to me and helping me with things and, you know, encouraging me to to go explore and get more involved in the field and bug the junk out of the superintendent, which was fun. And like, that's been something that I've kept. Karen, thank you. That's one of the things that I still do today is bug superintendent. So thank you, Karen, if you're listening. And, and that was really cool. But, but then we went to a company gathering and I thought that my job would look like the rest, like the company would be similar. Mm -hmm. And there were, there were like no women at all. It was like almost zero. And it was like, it was, it just hit me like, Whoa, this is really kind of interesting. Like this is, I didn't, I had no idea. And I didn't become aware of this until much later in my career, my second or third project, it was all male teams. And so that was for a while. And it wasn't until coming to California that I worked for a woman again, and the first time ever, my boss's boss was a woman who's the vice president, and she still remained a treasure and a great friend of mine. To have that kind of dynamic and relationship, there's a, a I think, a 
higher level of vulnerability and connection sometimes that you can make with, you know, other people of different genders and just different experiences. Like her experiences, Karen's experiences, just totally different, unique perspective that you're not aware of. Like you just don't even understand what it's like. You know, the same for people of color as well. It's just those perspectives and just understanding that it's not, it's not the same for everyone. Everyone's coming in with different experiences. They're priceless. The insights that you get from people and even having trade partner friends. I've got a friend who used to be a plumber and we've become really good friends. He's now a dirty project manager. That's what I call him. <laughs> but uh, we don't hold I it like against that. him for being a PM. Like it's okay. I used to be a PM. It's okay. I'm a recovering project manager still. Same. And it's interesting. Yeah. See, you're the same way. Same. It's perfect. Felipe, as you had mentioned when we talked um, the last time that you do a lot of work at high schools and I think you said it too. And I, I feel like that's a really important part of trying to address that problem. Like I, when I was in high school, I didn't even realize construction was a viable career. Like I went to school for architecture, right? Because that was, you know, palatable for a woman. And I didn't realize that construction was something I could even do, right? So you're, you're actively taking steps to fix that yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. And that first job that I was on, Kate, we had, uh, I remember we were in the trailer and we we're building this job. This is my first job. And on the Mason's crew, so people putting up like CMU wall and brick, and this is in Chicago, we do a lot of masonry. There was a woman who was a bricklayer and everybody was just like, oh my God, like people came in, like when she showed up to work, people rushed into the trailer to like tell us that there's a female bricklayer. <laughs> and it was like such a thing. <laughs> And this is not like 1949, people. I'm not that old. It's 2001. And and grown men run into the trailer to tell the rest of us that there's a woman out there putting bricks on the building and that we should come see it. And I'm thinking like, why? Like, is, is she like a brick artist that was like something different than the rest of the crew? And like dummies, we went out there and she was just like the other people and e equally as strong and stronger than some of the men on the crew. I mean, mm -hmm. she was arguably way stronger than me. Like if you're, if you're playing with bricks every day, you're going to be stronger than Felipe. Yep. This is my mouse hand that just, this is for mice, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really important. And to, to give that option to people, why is getting better important to both of you? Why is getting better important? So I'll start getting better is important because it, it's about to me bringing quality and humility and curiosity to everything and every interaction that I do. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like we looked at your agenda and I was like, I don't have a, like a big fancy story of something that I improved. And I was, I was panicking a little bit. I'm like, I'm gonna go on this show and it's gonna be terrible. False. I thought it through and we talked it through and I, I realized that for me, it was about lots and lots and lots of little improvements, right? And it's, it's how those little improvements impact the people that are involved, right? And it's the, the satisfaction that I get from being a part of that with other people and seeing them learn and grow. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, I have, I'm going to call it curiosity, but really I just love to stick my nose into things that aren't technically my job. Um, so for me, that's what it's really about. I love that answer. <laughs> curiosity. Use the word inquisitive uh, then. Someone, okay. I'm yeah. Somebody was asking me the other day, inquisitive. Yes. <laughs> people are asking me like, why, why don't you, why don't you put lean in the title of your show? And I said, because it's a, it's an American invention looking at companies in Japan and, and elsewhere in the world too. It's like the idea is 
really much older. It's really part of being human. Mm -hmm. And you're getting it right there, Kate, with the curiosity and the learning. I tell people like the magic is my other show guest, Katie Anderson, talked about this at Toyota. Right. I love Katie too. She's Katie's great. awesome. Yeah, I know you can't yeah, hear said, my, you can't hear my like, oh, like I love her. <laughs> Katie, you hear that? You got more fans out here. Kate meet <laughs> yeah. Kate. Yep. She loves your work. Yeah. yeah. But Kate said that the secret of Toyota or her mentor, Mr. Yoshino, said it's their attitude towards learning and how it's just what they do. And Karen Martin shared a post on Twitter the other day where Akio Toyota was talking to people on the Toyota, like the Toyota news that they do so they can try to connect all their people to the leadership. And he's talking about these stories and he's sharing really just his attitude towards learning. And when you look at his face and how he gets like lights up about the learning that he's doing, working in the company. And I mean, he's running a multi-billion dollar company and he's excited about learning every day and going to where the work happens. And it's just like, oh, it's it, it just comes through. It comes through that that learning part is so critical. So I'm glad that you use curiosity. And I know it's in it's in Millicent's LinkedIn profile because I checked. Oh, <laughs> so she's got it in her tagline. Right? It's it's true. And I for me it's not about getting better, it's about being better. And that's you being better yourself to then connect to others because you're right, that kind of mindset radiates it's an intangible thing but all of a sudden you've caught it and you want to ask more questions about the how and the why and the the where um we kate and i have talked about this in in the west region where i am we for about a year or a wee bit more now we've been doing lessons learned on our projects and it's a fairly I need agendas in my meetings to at least keep things a bit focused. But like you, I love to go off on tangents to say, well, tell me more about this based on what I hear. And the best part is not so much, and everyone's going to hear my ulterior motive now. Yes, you get to learn when you talk about your mistakes and it's the continuous improvement for the organization. But there's something to be said for you as a human being becoming more comfortable talking about your mistakes or you as a person feeling safe in this environment to say, oh, I heard you say that thing. I'd like to learn more. Let's and it, then that spurs into something else. And it, it's an evolutionary thing that I find so important for myself. It's been really, really heartwarming for me to see over the last year, just the confidence grow in those lessons learned meetings. I, I had a superintendent send me a text after one of them more recently saying, thank you for setting these up so that I can talk about my mistakes and learn from others. Completely unprompted. And I, that's like Kate says, just such a small little win for someone to acknowledge that moment in that environment that it could carry forward. So it's about being better. I've taken a lot of risks. I, like I said, risk management. And I really feel like you also get better when you just dive headfirst into this risk. Like you do something that might terrify you. I'm almost like a risk junkie now with that kind of thing because there's a bit of a rush to it. It, there's an exhilarating feeling and you go, wow, I did that thing when I didn't think I could. And it just makes you that little bit stronger, that little bit more self-aware, which is such a, a valuable concept. And they're like, well, what else can I do now? It's it's almost like this in, feeling of in, invincibility on the inside that keeps me motivated. And it's the stories that people will tell when you're learning something from them. That's my favorite part. The technical stuff, sure. I could read that in a book or watch a YouTube video. 
but when when they tell the story about how something profound nearly happened to them or that they they felt this way in reaction to a particular situation that's my favorite part because they've opened up they want to share and they're comfortable doing that and then there's something in return between the two of us that moment that's my favorite part well and that's when the magic happens too right that's like when you yeah. develop real trust and that's like mm-hmm. you know people talk about like executional improvements and and getting better on the job site and it's like you want that like start with trusting people giving them a safe space a, a space to take risks right like you got i think I, you probably can surmise this but like this for me is a huge risk like not having like not being in control of the agenda like i was sweating <laughs> before this meeting right it was terrifying right and i like i have no problem public speaking like i'll get up in front of i get up in front of groups all the time but i'm in control of the agenda so this kind of like off script it's terrifying for me but i but then i was like you know i can't in good faith ask other people to be vulnerable and share things if i'm not willing to take risks on my own mm-hmm. too right so this today this is continuous improvement it was and and kate and millicent people that don't know that we had uh one or do we had one or two calls before i think just one just one is it just one? Oh, i felt like it was like mm-hmm. two like we've known each other we're just kindred spirits That's and we it. were yep. when we first were just talking like this is why I do the show so that people can talk and it spurs conversation and insights that you might necessarily have. And we got to be vulnerable to make that happen. Kate, you nailed it. Like if you want, you can't have trust without vulnerability. Yep. You just, that you're never going to get real trust without it. And we love that you came on. And I told you that the agenda that's, that I gave you is just the bullshit agenda. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It made so me feel really... in control, though. Like I was like, okay, there's an yeah. agenda. I'm going to put some notes down, and I'm going to feel good about it. <laughs> but really, Kate, you're in control because you can just choose not to answer. Whenever you don't want to answer, you just tell Millicent to answer. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> she's my she's my wing woman. Yeah, that's right. And she'll I'll always it. be there. <laughs> yeah. Now, Millicent, you it's... said you wanted to share a story that you wanted to go into later. It's now later. Already? Jeez, time flies. Uh... <laughs> too many stories now which okay so one of the in the theme of continuous improvement and people this is probably a really nice segue um also for me to learn the pure construction side again because coming from design and international and now dealing in the field i set up these things called the meet the super series and i'm so proud of it that's i'm just using your YouTube, your podcast, to be able to talk about something that I'm so proud of. And look, I'm not saying I'm the one that invented it, but the concept of it should be a lot more common than I really feel it is. So we're a construction management, general contracting firm. We've got these great blokes and women out in the field. But I heard a lot when I had started where they say, I feel like I'm on an island or because we are so dispersed geographically um, with our projects. So I do what you do uh, where I interview a superintendent. It's called Meet the Super. It's very informal, but structured behind the scenes. So it's videos on wherever they are. It's on a Friday. So usually we get Aloha Hawaiian shirts for Aloha Fridays. Nice. It's a very Southern California thing. It's very, very prolific from San Diego all the way to Santa Barbara. Hawaiian (laughs) shirt Fridays. It's a thing. 
it's a unifying thing though that I I love that that you could pick your mate out of the crowd. I prep them first as well, get them ready, and usually we start with the how did you get into construction, and then my question to them is well what do you want people to know about you? And it's such an interesting tension where someone says. I'm on an island, people don't know me, but you give them the chance to say, well, what do you want them to know about you? And it's, I don't know. And so it's it's been so much fun to really get to know these people in a deeper way. Because for me, it'll always come back to people. I, I'm in the people business uh, by trade and by nature. And so just by interviewing these superintendents, they've got a bit of a script, they can anticipate the questions but sometimes I'll sneak in a follow-up that they're not expecting. <laughs> but the coolest part is the crowd then. We we have people who dial in to watch these things. And then a, an assistant project manager said to one of the supers, it was really great on this project where you actually got down on your hands and knees with us and you helped us clean up the floor. We really appreciated that. And then someone else said, oh, I remember when we were going through that change order with the client and you helped check this. And then more people start to just talk about how much they appreciate their team member and value their contribution to the team and then value them as a person. Just the feedback that I get from the superintendents who, like Kate and I are going to do when we get off the phone, we'll call each other and go, what a rush. That was amazing. (laughs) We did it. I hate talking about myself, but that was pretty cool. Because, again, when you're in that environment where people are receptive and they want to know more about you, you then can't stop. You want to keep uh, sharing that to build that deeper connection. So it's just been such a fun and interesting thing to try um, because it, it hadn't at least been done in, in this organization before. And now we're yes ending to say, well, what can we do next? How can we do more of this? How can we connect better with the field based on the industry that we're in and then recognize the trade partners? Like, what What's next? I'm, that's the fun part. That is beautiful. It's been so nice. Melissa's such a Melissa. great host too that like I call in every so often and even like I get excited. I found out that one of the supers has a philosophy degree. He he grew up mm-hmm. like 20 minutes from where I live now and it was just it, it like again it was a tiny little thing but it was so amazing. I was like, "Oh my, like I never would have known that about this human being that I work with, right? Beyond his title." It's really oh, it's, another it's, person from from rural Maine. No, no, from down from Mass. He he lives close here in Mass. But you know, it's, okay. it's 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 really great to see this kind of stuff percolating in the organization. I am unabashedly trying to nick it and and make it a thing in in Boston too. We haven't gotten there yet, but we're trying. Just do it. All you need to do find Kate, one person. Yeah. Find yep. one superintendent. Yeah. And just and and turn your reason, camera on and off you go. The reason I got my first superintendent so. Last year, we were in reactive mode to say, we've got to do certain things to keep people connected. And I happened to be doing a very small project for a great client, but it was all night shift because the restaurant was open during the day. And so me and the superintendent were doing the night shift together. I thought, I want to keep you company. It would be a great chance for me to get to know you. And I have no meetings between 1 a.m. and 8 a.m. So I I feel like I can get a lot of work done for a change. And so we were just sitting talking, just opposite each other, safely distanced uh, in these uh, booths. I thought, I I really feel like more people should know you based on what we're talking about at the witching hour. He's like, no, I don't like speaking. So look, I'll coach you through it. This is great training for you. I think I I sold him. 
I'm an excellent saleswoman when I need to be. Uh, And so he was the first one. And it it wasn't a a publicized thing. I sent an email to the group and that's exactly it. It was the catalyst for just, well, it's so crazy. It might just work. It kind of worked. What happens if we do it again? That's the thing I like about continuous improvement is you can keep trying stuff and keep doing interesting things, but then you've you've got to find that pause to take a breath to say, well, how did it all go? Or what were the course corrections that we've made through this? How can we build on that? And it, then you get the offshoots. You can't just keep running in that direction to keep trying different things without that reflectiveness. Um, Millicent didn't even tell you the best part, which is the emails that she sends out to prep for the meeting. <laughs> oh, tell me. They are truly a thing of beauty. I don't even know how she gets these pictures of people, but she'll like dig up a picture from their past and like, I I, I don't know if you've got like great Photoshop skills or how that even comes up, but she sends them to me every week and they always make me laugh. What are the pictures of the people being spoken about or? Uh, Yes and no. So one of them, one of the more uh, seasoned superintendents, I, he volunteered i asked he gave it to me so there was no coercion of an unsavory kind but it was his <laughs> high school graduation photo from the 70s and again when you can laugh at yourself because kate and i have a new tagline called play in the gray uh which we can unpack another time but it's if you can't have fun and take a load off and laugh at yourself or see a picture of your mate and go, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> then what's the point? I, I would struggle in that more stale environment without the humor. And so again, being in pure construction, that's the lens that people see me in now. But I spent 15 years before that working for urban planning firms. I'm very good at Photoshop, Illustrator and InDesign. That's my secret superpower now. And so now we all know secrets out. I, <laughs> I want people to know though, why would you not want to add more of who you are to what you do now to then inform and influence the environment, the work environment that you're in? And so sometimes I do Photoshop and I'll Photoshop faces onto other figures uh, or into the environments of projects that we've done. Uh, this for we've got a gentleman tomorrow or today that I'm actually really excited about and I recreated Google search and I wrote his name and then I came up with it looks exactly like Google but it's actually all about him and then there's 17 year old uh, in the service photograph of him and it just it's so my favorite part is when people write to me and say that was a really good one or hilarious it is truly amazing. I'm She's saying, like not even giving herself enough credit. It was like, it was so funny and it was so well done. I'm glad that both of you are on here so that when each of you takes your turn to be humble, the other person can tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a setup. <laughs> it's so hard. Like in construction, you've been conditioned and brainwashed to never stand out. Facts. And if you yep. stand out, right? Look at both of you nodded your head instantly when yep. I said that. Like I've been the, uh, the squeaky wheel that gets not oil, but a hammer to the head. Yeah. So I've been that. Yes. Melissa and I laugh. I try being a woman doing it. Yep. Like I say (laughs) stuff and people just look at me. They're like, what planet are you on? Like, well, you don't have to like it. Yeah. Keep saying it, Kate. (laughs) Yeah. Keeping yourself. That's a, I have the the pleasure of an honor of mentoring some people, some younger people in the industry that are, you know, two years, five years in. And one of the things that I always encourage 
my mentees is you need to bring yourself here. And there will always be people that tell you, "Ugh, no, we don't like that. And I said, that's just like a, on YouTube, like a thumbs down, a thumbs down is just some information, but you decide how to react to the, that versus a thumbs up. You still have to be authentic. And if you give into that 10 years later, you wake up and it's not you anymore and you hate yourself and you hate Mm -hmm. your job. So let's not do that. Like there's always going to be people that don't get your humor. Your humor is not for them. Right. But for other people that laugh and get it, find those people and, or eventually they'll understand you. It could, sometimes this could be a misunderstanding. Yeah. Like when Millicent talked about how old I am and I didn't hear it. (laughs) You got to find your tribe though. That's like a real thing. That's the thing that we talk about a lot is finding your tribe. Sometimes, sometimes your tribe might be a little bit outside of your organization. And like, that's, that's a good thing too. Like throughout, uh, throughout COVID, it's like, I really expanded my LinkedIn network. I was telling Millicent the other day, I was like, I've curated my LinkedIn feed to be a thing that I enjoy, right? Like every day I open it and I learn something or I see something that inspires me. And it's like, mm-hmm. these people, although they don't actually know me, like they're my tribe. Like these are the people that I want to interact with and that I want to be around. So your, your tribe can be within your company. Your tribe can be like even bigger too. We work for an organization that's very supportive of innovating and trying new things. And sometimes you just have to do a thing and say, look what I did to like, that broader group. Cause not everyone has, everyone has varying degrees of imagination and sometimes if you haven't done something, you can't quite relate to it, connect to it. It takes that sort of heightened sense of emotional intelligence to be able to say, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll hear you out for this one. And so to be in that test environment, to just try it and then say, I, I did a thing and someone will go, oh, okay, try it again and then come back to me. A great example of that. Um, so I did a, a time location chart you know, like the the time-based schedule with all the lines. And I was super proud of myself. I sent it to a super and he goes, this looks like my kid dumped pixie sticks on the floor. I was like, (laughs) all right. But then, but then I showed it to somebody else and they had this like light bulb moment and they're like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. my, my plan assumes that this trade is going to demobilize and remobilize like eight times. Right. So it was just, you know, you have to find like what sticks and some people are going to look at you sideways and say that you're working with pixie sticks and some people are going to like it. Yeah. Some people don't care that the trade has to mob and demob and they don't realize what that costs them. True story. Productivity is taking a a nosedive. True story. Like we want to keep people on actively working. That's why tack time is amazing. Location-based scheduling is amazing. Oh, There are really good things out there. Katie Anderson and tact. Those are like my, my two they, I've, I've almost got some teams convinced to use it right now. Yeah. So I'll share like a quick story. Um, we have a, a project right now. It's a really complex renovation um, and it's over budget, had some staff change, right? It's, it's a challenging job. And I have no doubt that this team will get it done because they're amazing and they're creative and they're hardworking, but it's, it's a little bit of chaos right now. And like my type A personality, I want to be like, you guys have to use tact and here, look at these 8,000 videos that Jason Schroeder's done. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be awesome. Right. <laughs> but they kind of don't have the headspace for that right now. So nope. instead we had this amazing discussion last week about, about chaos and, and calm and predictability and certainty and flow and roadblocks. And it was like, they engaged in this conversation. And so it's like, I was, I'm trying to plant this little seed. Cause I was like, here, use this tool. They'll be like, I, I don't have time for that. But it was like, they 
they got there on their own and it was it was like this amazing again it's like a small win like no nobody in my company sees that except for that room that i was in with these people but like for me that was right. like a huge win last week i mean just to be able to talk about chaos and calm yeah uh, in a construction job yes. Kate, that's a win too i know you yeah. would have done nothing i know I mean, you just bring in that conversation that's incredible it was it was um it was really fun and it was cool and they were like they were into it and and they talked to me about it so it was um it was very refreshing and one so we'll bring up age again uh the project manager is quite a bit younger than me and the super is quite a bit older than me right and so it was like a really good mix of like viewpoints so it was uh it was really fun. It was amazing. That is I'm really proud I had of you. A... I hadn't even heard that story. Yeah. 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 It's a small win. She's like, she's so into the weeds, laughing at your emails that you're sending with these. Yeah. <laughs> it's very well F done. Felipe, things. I have to make a confession. So I, in my terrible, I don't even have Photoshop skills, but what I did is I took, um, you know, Pennywise <laughs> the clown when he's like, yes. when he's looking out of the sewer grate and the kid, what's his name? Um, what's the kid's name? In any event, he's got like a yellow know. rain slicker on yeah. and he's like reaching down. And on the clown's head, I wrote EBFC, and then I wrote me on the kid <laughs> because like I was so, I was so scared like coming into this this week. I was like, that's how I feel today. The EBFC Pennywise. Clown. <laughs> that is just lovely. But I had the same thing happen, Kate. A week ago, I was uh, minding my own business, and I got a text message from a superintendent, and it was like a picture of a conference room, like way zoomed back, and he just says, "What do you see?" And I saw a tack plan yes. and I instantly like sent him back. I hearted it and then started blowing up my phone to him. And then I finally called him and he said, uh, I tried it. And he's like, the subcontractors loved it. Yeah. He said, I'm having trouble convincing my staff. He's like, but they just get it. And I was like, subcontractors get it because they know how to make money. Yeah. So they just, they always get it. They you understand maximize their ability to make money. Right. You're going to get better results. And if you show them like here, like I don't, I don't want to look at 35 pages of CPM schedule. Right. And I know the schedule lady is saying that and it's funny, but like you can put that on one page. They can easily understand like that is a huge win. Yeah. No, 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 no. That That's going to be the clip. A, the schedule lady saying that that's going to be your hashtag Kate, the schedule okay. lady. Yeah. I know. So I, we laugh. I laugh about these things a lot because I like, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm the schedule lady. And it's like, and then I'm the person who's telling them to hold back and not add too much detail or try, like, I don't want you to do a schedule. I want you to like literally color on a logistics plan, what you're going to do. And so every time I do that, I laugh. Cause I'm like, the schedule lady is telling you not to do a schedule. So. Oh, I got to do a quick question to you, Kate, on that note. Yeah. Since you're, you're telling people that and you're, you're coming from that perspective how do you feel about this question so first do you have this is not the question do you have teams doing last planner system or pool planning we do yep okay from your perspective from the schedule lady i'd like to get the official word okay should the activities on the pool plan go one for one in the cpm schedule yes or no no yes <laughs> Jason, just, can you hear it? Jason's smiling right now, wherever he is. It's not adding value, right? It's there's there. If things are working like they're supposed to, the boards speak for themselves and you shouldn't have to pull it back into the CPM. Like, listen, CPM has a place, right? It's, it, it has, yes. Some it has people a place. need that, but it, you know, if, if the boards are working well, and they're communicating the information to people. And it's, again, we'll talk about fear. You know, it's scary. People are so used to using a CPM schedule that it's really scary at the prospect of not having that. It's almost like a binky, right? Like it's giving up your <laughs> binky. 
and it's letting it stand on the wall. But it, you know, it, it. I actually I had this conversation um, with a, a coworker of mine in New York last week, and she was like, "Oh, I got to pull all this detail back in." And I was like, "Challenge them a little bit and say that this this is not adding value, right? And if the boards are working." let them just hang on the wall and let people look at that. And that should give you everything you need. So. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. You just made my day. Woo oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that yeah. was so awesome. Millicent, do you have something you want to add to that? No, I I'll leave you to it. It's, I can't talk <laughs> that. You can't talk. Yeah. For, for people listening to the show, when, when the schedule lady was talking, about how it's not value added. I was jumping up and down. So you want to watch this on YouTube to see me literally jumping up and down <laughs> when she was saying that. That was precious, Kate. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank I've, you. I've added my value for today. <laughs> my God. So I want to ask, uh, let's put Millicent in a tough spot. We're going to ask her a hard question. You've moved around a lot. You've worked in a lot of different areas and environments. You've got a very broad perspective that I think if I had to put a number on it, probably 99% of the people that work in the same place and never leave their hometown might not have. What advice would you offer someone who feels like they're stuck and going nowhere? I can relate to that feeling. So my thought process was I went back to that place and then I thought about how I have gotten through it. Here's the Australian lady's advice. Speak to someone adjacent to your environment. If you're in construction and you're feeling stuck, you're a, you work on a project, you can't figure it out, talk to the design team, talk to a trade, talk to the person that's going to operate that facility after you finished building it. And the reason why, to me, that's a very effective technique. One, again, it's always about talking to somebody else, but it helps you see your slice in the perspective or the grand scheme of the entire thing, where what you're doing has meaning and value to someone else further downstream. Or a designer has spent months coming up with this design and poured their heart and soul into this concept. You're the person that's now creating it, making it tangible for them. And that means something to that person. So it helps take you a bit out of your head to zoom up and see there's a lot more going on here. My role is very critical. What else can I do then to try and unstick myself in that space? But you're going to get a bit more perspective. Class that I'm doing right now, I we listened to a TED talk about um, when you go into your head, you start to ask yourself, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I struggling? And she the lady talking about this had said the why stuff you spin into this vortex of yourself and it's very hard to get out of it. And she said the people who successfully have that self-awareness and the introspective uh, mindset is you ask the question, what instead, what can I do to get myself out of here? Uh, what else can I learn to feel like I'm more successful or that I'm less of a, I know more than I think I do. What was the advice that my mentor gave me about a very situ similar situation that they were in? And so it's crazy that we're talking about this right now. And I only watched this video uh, last night, but it's the, it's the doing words, the future focus rather than allowing yourself to get stuck in that space. And from what I've done by traveling around, it's talking to so many different people and hearing their stories that's helped put things into perspective for me. Eh? This is a bit of a morbid story. I don't know why I'm going to say it, but it's going to come out anyway. Do it. 
Do uh, it. What can I? What can I say? You bring out the best in me, Felipe. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I lived in Abu Dhabi, one of the Prophet Muhammad's birthdays a long weekend, and it got announced, and I flew to Kathmandu for a long weekend. It, I just I wanted to go. Very drawn to the Nepalese uh, environment, so I went there. And one of these places is where they do the public cremations. So there are the the bodies and the pyres, and they burn, and you get swept into the Ganges. And you can sit on the other side of the river and watch these things. And again, my design brain—it was very quite cool to see that there's a bridge that runs through the middle to cross the water, and on one side it's water. So it's almost dammed up to the bridge because that's where you wash the bodies before you burn them on the other side. The other side is then the burning. And there was a young woman about my age who had died, and her family was washing her body. And the sound that the mother was making it was really sad and hard to watch, but it was there in front of me, sitting. You're going to have to convert two meters into feet and inches for me, but sitting about two meters away was a family celebrating. They were having a picnic right there. It was joyous and it was fantastic. And these two different feelings were side by side. It all kind of connects in this ecosystem of. Sometimes it's going to be bad, and sometimes it's really going to be good. But you've got to see the big picture that it, it it continues, and there's more to it than just you. And that's the memory that I think about when I get a bit stuck. Sometimes is that I'm still alive, and there are people that I can talk to, and great mentors that I have through my travels and my careers. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd story to say on a global podcast. It's <laughs> a good story. I like that. It's the cycle. It's real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes we forget. Like, remember when I was a punk kid and first mm-hmm. working? I didn't think about that other side of the river. I was too focused yeah. on the, the right in front of me side. And when you're yep. young, you don't have that perspective all the time to to look forward and be forward thinking. You're just so in the right now. Yeah. So I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Millicent. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was. And I want to flip flip the script again. Kate and Millicent, you can ask me anything. And I will answer you. Ooh, I got to think for a second. Millicent, you got one on, Go on top of mind? Uh, uh, yes, I do have one. And it ties to what we were talking about with continuous improvement, but then checking in and adjusting. Of all the improvements and the betterment ideas that you've heard in your career, is there one that you've tracked and followed to then see how it has evolved and influenced our industry? I think one of the most, that's a great question, Millicent. <laughs> and I, and I have an answer cause that's just how I roll. <laughs> mm. One of the most prolific small ideas and it's, it's marketed very well. It's this idea from Paul Akers who runs this fabrication shop of like a millwork specialty shop. And he's coined this phrase, two second lean, two second improvement. And he's traveled to Japan multiple times and he's gone all over the world. And, and, you know, some people don't like his personality and his style and some people love him. And, and there's like a mix. It's like a, a good and a bad, but his idea when he had all those experiences and his books are free, his videos are free. He even has an app so you can get his book for free. And oh. the book is called two second lean. Yeah. He's got a free app. Everybody. I actually just downloaded well, it and, and listened. <laughs> there you go. So, I'm going to yeah, subscribe like, to his YouTube channel as soon as we end this show. <laughs> yeah, before mine, I know. Yes. <laughs> Keep me in the true. shadow. It's okay. It's okay. So, but Paul's idea, he's like, he's gone all around the world. And he says the same thing that, that we talk about, that it starts with the people. 
and the respect for people is so critical. But but the other part is because you're a person and he has this and he says it so well, what small thing you ask people, set the bar really low, like really low. So you can easily just step over it and jump over it every day. There was a brilliant person that took this concept. So the answer is that two second improvement. That idea of just doing something to shave two seconds off of something you're doing because you're doing it and your time is limited. Like there are other times where, you know, he talks about it longer and I've heard other lean thinkers talking about this the same way. Like we recognize that our time on earth is limited and because it's limited and we have this time, we need to take advantage of the time we have. It's the one resource we can't make more of. So that's one of the impetuses to action. Like why Am I so obsessed with continuous improvement? It's because I am obsessed with living my life as fully as possible. I want to have a complete experience, all of my senses. Some people have even called it marginal gains. We saw this with the UK's biking team when they went after they hired a new coach. I'm forgetting his name. And he said, we're just going to make marginal gains every day. So they looked at the athletes and they had not won. They had never won a tour. And uh, so they said, like, let's look at the pillows that the athletes sleep on. Let's let's get them the best pillow and then let's have that pillow for them every hotel they stay at so they always have a consistent sleep. Then they looked at their gear, their the showering, the type of lotions and even special shampoos so that if they had allergies, they didn't have any kind of issue with their hair while they're riding a bike race and like, you know, simple little tweaks. They made all these little tiny tweaks and then they won and then they won again. And so the, those little tiny tweaks, they went from never winning to winning. And it happened very fast. He said it would happen in in five years, and he was wrong. I think it happened in three years. But those little improvements add up so quickly. There was another nerd, Millicent, that put this on LinkedIn. I can't remember who it was, but they showed one. It was the number one raised to an exponent, like a point zero one, mm-hmm. And they showed wow. like over time, if you make... And then someone decoded it to put it into like for non-nerds. It's an exponential curve over time. If I do something better every week, like let's say I do one experiment a week, like just how I record my shows or how I engage with project teams or how I talk to new hires or how I talk to high school kids that want to be YouTube superstars. If I come at them like the same way and and don't change, my results will be 50-50. It lands, it doesn't land. But if I, if I do that reflective moment, like you said, like I have an event and maybe I go contact somebody who was there, get some rapid feedback, make a tweak, and then do that every time I have a talk. If I do that engagement, you know, 52 weeks a year, cause I don't take vacation, then that's 52 times I've made improvements in a year. So yeah. me right now, a year later, I'm 52 times improved from when I was at this time. So I think that is like so valuable and people just miss that. I keep a journal and it's just out of reach. I can't grab it from here. But in my journal, I write down like a plan to do there. You have yours there. I plan to yep. do this tomorrow. And, and, and Kate has hers too. The three of us are all journaling. And so yep. like, I'm always looking for those, like, what is the little thing I could do a little bit better? And yep. I was watching even just the show. Like I watched the first show versus the last show just to see the contrast. And I saw, I saw contrast and I was like, that's it's, I'm doing it. And then the same with working with teams, like we've had multi-million dollar impact. We've had billion dollars revenue impact on sales for our organization for experiments that we started 
just five years ago. We went from not being able to compete in a certain space, a high collaboration intensity, to where the client is like, thank you, right? That happened in less than five years. Yeah. So those little tiny gains are really what you want to go after. And and what Paul says so eloquently is fix what bugs you. He yeah. still says it today. I just watched a video this week. Kate. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, yep. Kate? Fix, fix what, what bugs, bugs you. you. I, I think I yeah, emailed you that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah, Kate's on that same channel. Yeah. Kate, is. you have your nice. question ready now? I want to hear about a risk that you've taken recently. I'm, I'm going after Millicent's soft spot. I think we're on this podcast. Let's talk about the podcast, right? Okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when when the pandemic hit, I used to speak at conferences, webinars, in-person things. And when the pandemic hit, all that stopped. It just went to zero. They couldn't imagine, like, how can we do it? Like, to pivot to do online, when you look back, it looks like it happened like that. But in reality, it took some organizations never pivoted. There were some conferences that just got canceled or postponed. And then some organizations did pivot. And one of the things that that I was told, I had been encouraged. This was five years in the making, Kate. For five years, I had a friend telling me every year, you need to start a podcast. You need to start a podcast. Brittany, if you're out there, Brittany, thank you again for encouraging me. (laughs) <laughs> and never giving up on me because Brittany was relentless. Every time she talked to me, she said, the conversations you have with people are valuable and people want to hear it. And she's like, just do it anyway and you'll get better. She's like, I know you, you're going to make it better. So then I launched the show and I told my boss at the time, I said, hey, I just want to let you know I started this podcast. I didn't like ask for permission because that's awkward, Millicent. You, like you said, just do it first I can relate. and then tell people you did it, right? So all of you out there that you're thinking about doing something, just do it and then tell people you did it after you do it. Don't don't have intentions of doing something. I had had intentions of podcasting for five years or not even my intention. Somebody had intentions for me to do this for five years and I finally gave in. And then when I did it, the first guest I talked to, Josh, he was like, this is risky for me. He's like, but I'll come on to your show because I know you and I trust you. And so I'll do it. And then we did it. And it was a huge risk. And I thought, you know, it's just going to be me and Josh that watch this, right? Because <laughs> we're both in it. So that's like all we're going to have. And that first show was a huge risk. And I even talked to some people in my company and they, you know, a lot of them, in, you know, in the first when when nobody was watching, because in the beginning, nobody's watching. Their responses to me were like, meh. Or they were like, that's cute. Aww. Or, you know, in the beginning. In the beginning, that's what it was like. I kept at it. I remember the reaction, you know, what it meant to Josh and what it meant to me and the things that we talked about help people. I mean, I had a, a review just yesterday that someone said, you're not just some GC trying to win work. Like, and I published that review. I was like, yeah. I was like, yes. we win work anyway. But, <laughs> you know, but that's not the intent of the show. So that was a huge risk. And even people in my family. Not everybody in my family said, you should do this. Like, so it could have been a complete flop and a fail. And so that was risky. And my reputation, I guess I didn't even factor that. I just had a need. I had to do it. I had missed that. That outlet was gone where I can connect with people, share my stories, inspire other people. That had vanished because of the pandemic. The world so needed it was more a great, Felipe. <laughs> that was a great catalyst to give oh, yeah. more Felipe back and to share. And it's still... It's, it's even risky now, Kate. It's not, it's not less risky today than it was when I first started. Like people don't understand why I do the show. Like it's in the tagline why the show exists, but I still have to say it out loud. Like we want to help 
people see that you can actually work easier and better. And a lot of the things that people are sharing, like the things that you guys are sharing, it's out there in the public domain, but people need to see themselves in it. They have to hear other human beings. And then find, like you said, I think you guys perfectly said it, find your tribe. There are people that are interested in having better experiences in every single organization, every single family. There, there are not complete tribes of curmudgeons. There are not complete tribes of people trying to preserve some nostalgic view of history and time capsule the whole world and just like, you know, like the the boss in the Lego movie, try to micromanage and super glue everything to stop it at the perf- at his idea of perfection. <laughs> Yeah, those people exist. They're out there, but there are way more people that want to have a good experience and actually enjoy being alive. Those are the people yeah, that this is for. they tend to have less traction than they think they do. Like, yeah. They'll go off and do those things, and we'll be over here having a blast doing something pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Millicent's whole computer just, like, exploded. Yeah, she's like, what happened? Yeah, her screen, I saw it here. It went, it, it blipped purple. She was so concerned about the purple. Her video blip purple, <laughs> and then she was prophetic. And then it just, yeah, and then it just shut off. She knew it was going to happen. It ha- it just wasn't in her glasses. She's psychic, <laughs> but it has been a pleasure having oh you and Millicent. She is this like really. So I'm going to gush about her when she's gone. Um, she's such an amazing addition to our resource or to our company. I just it. She, <laughs> the perspective that she brings and the like, she gives so freely of her time. Um, her and I connecting has been like one of the high points of the last year in my career. So don't tell her I said that. I can tell. No, I'll tell her. This is being recorded. <laughs> this is being recorded, Kate. I'll, I'll make sure she gets it. Well, if there was if there was a time to have technical difficulties, at least it was at the very, very end. Today was a blast. Um, I, I had said earlier that this was something that was scary and new for me. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed being able to talk about what we do and, and talk about it in a fun way. Um, and we made a new little tribe today. So uh, I thank you for, for allowing me into your tribe. And I look forward uh, for what's to come next. Yeah, thank you, Kate. You're always welcome in my tribe. You got me to jump up and down, Kate. That's a first. That's a show first. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Millicent. All right. Well, Felipe, thank you. On, on behalf of both Millicent and I, thank you for today. We had a lot of fun. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>